This podcast is proudly supported by Baseballism, an all baseball related apparel and cloning company for baseball people. Check them out at baseballism.com. Welcome to the ANA Sports Podcast, Sports Talk, with your hosts, Anthony Cortez and Alex Ashley. And Kevin! Oh, yeah, and Kevin Rowe. What's up, and welcome back. Double A Sports Show, episode 118. This is part two of this week. Uh, we're getting into some NFL, but first, let's talk about our friends real quick at Baseballism. Baseballism is an all-baseball-related apparel and clothing company for baseball people. If you're a baseball fan, you should be wearing Baseballism. It's that simple. It's America's brand, the official off-the-field brand for baseball. Visit them at Baseballism.com, and while you're there, use our code AASports. Our initials A-A-S-P-O-R-T-S for a 15. That's a 1-5% discount off your first order. And if you're not ready to order just yet, make sure to go follow them on other socials. They're very active on Instagram and Twitter. New releases pretty much every week, if not every week. Um, there's free shipping on orders of $100 or more. So if you want to go spend a lot with them, which is easy to do, uh, you get free shipping on the orders. Masks are available in like seven or eight different styles along with some youth masks as well. Uh, Theodore James collections are available. Uh, I believe stay-at-home shirts are still available. A uh, bunch of collections, Babe Ruth collection, Major League collection, the movie that is, um, uh, Roberto Clemente, um, a whole bunch of other stuff. New shirts and hoodies with built-in masks, sweats, cap shorts, all, all kinds of accessories as well. They just released some new sunglasses. Um, all great, comfortable material and really fast shipping, even with COVID um, hammering down on, on shipping these days. Uh, baseball is still on their game as far as getting their stuff out to you. Um, so make sure to go uh, still support all your local and small businesses out there, whoever they may be, baseballism included. Uh, the new Field of Dreams sites is open as well. I'm sure they have their, their they have their protocol and policies that they have to they have to go by. But if you if you plan on making a trip out to out to Iowa, go visit them. Also, go visit all their wherever stores. I, I'm not sure quite what stores are open, but if they are open in your area, go visit them. They deserve your support. Uh, baseballism.com. It's America's brand. Thank you. All right, boys. Uh, NFL. There was a lot of storylines out there this week. Uh, Kevin or Alex, you want to go through some scores real quick, or do we want to just get straight into storylines? Sure, we can run a little bit of scores because there are also some interesting storylines. So this week definitely seemed to be uh, the week of upsets. Uh, so starting off, the Chicago Bears took on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. The Bears ended up winning that game uh, 22-6. Uh, Nick Foles oh. coming in clutch – or excuse me, 22-19. I apologize. 20-19. Uh, I was looking at their fourth quarter score of six. Uh, so the Bears won 20 to 19. Uh, the next upset that uh, some people. Hold on. Tom Brady forgot the down. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> How about that one? He thought it was third down, it was fourth, and that probably kept them from having that mm-hmm. uh, potential game winning drive. So. And what I found uh, funny was apparently in the locker room, he screamed, somebody was supposed to tell me what down it was. To which somebody then replied, you don't have Bill Belichick to baby you anymore. <laughs> I love it. He's showing his age. He's becoming senile. <laughs> and he's showing just how much he needs Bill Belichick. Uh, next, one of the bigger upsets, the Miami Dolphins took on the San Francisco 49ers, known for their defense, and beat the shit out of them by a score of 43 to 17. Ryan Fitzmagic went 22 of 28 with 350 yards and three touchdowns. Moser for uh, the 49ers had 11 carries, 90 yards on the ground. The Browns. Jimmy, also- Jimmy, G, Jimmy G was benched 
Yeah. He went 7 of 17, 77 yards and two picks, and he was benched for C.J. Beathard. Yeah. Which now, granted, it's like the practice squad for the 49ers, but mm-hmm. still, that's a huge upset for the Miami yeah. Dolphins, man. And not only that, Jimmy G sitting, that's a questionable confidence from uh, – the, sh- the younger Shanahan there in his, uh, in his four-star quarterback. Next up, you have the Browns taking on the Colts at the Browns. Browns won that game by a score of 32-23. to Baker Mayfield, 247 yards, two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt, now the number one back because of Nick Chubb's injuries, really stepped up. So did Landry, Jarvis Landry, uh, who had been relatively quiet through the first uh, – to the first four games, uh, came up big, four receptions, 88 yards. Dude, the uh, Browns the, are four and one. The Browns are four and one, and they are looking real. Now, here's the thing, though. They're three and zero at home, a one and one on the road. So I think we'll see what the Browns are made of on their first big growth test. Miles Garrett had another sack and another tackle for loss. Watch Garrett be the defensive player of the year in, in, in Cleveland. Well, he had like half a year off to rest, so <laughs> – uh, probably the biggest upset. Well, definitely the biggest upset. The Las Vegas Raiders. John Gruden and all of the bad haircuts in that organization went to Kansas City, took on the Chiefs, and Andy Reid's foggy ass mask, and beat the Chiefs at home by a score of forty to thirty-two. Derek Carr led in passing yards, twenty-two to thirty-one, three hundred and forty-seven yards, three touchdowns. Josh Jacobs killed it on the ground, 23 carries, 77 yards, two touchdowns, and Ruggs, the little rookie, two receptions, 118 yards, and a touchdown. He scored on half of his – literally half of his receptions. Um, that kid's got some speed, man. I mean, he's a burner. So yes, once Derek Carr can learn to find him more regularly, you're going to see these 100-yard games on a, on a regular basis. Absolutely. Ruggs is like – I think a lot of people said he was the fastest right receiver in the draft. So He was uh, or is, I guess. Technically. So, All right. Las Vegas picked him up good. Hey, I will tell you this, though. I, I said the last week the Chiefs just don't look right to me. And they showed it here, especially Mahomes. Mahomes had a, a – on his level, he had a bad game. Yeah, he threw for 340 yards and two touchdowns, but he had a pick, and he only had about a five – just just barely over a 500 complete – a 50% completion rate. <laughs> That's what to say. He did not look great in this game. Um, but like I said, the Chiefs as a whole, just something doesn't look right, and – they showed it against the Raiders. So let's see if they can get it right in the next week's game. See, for me, I think it's the opposite. I think the Raiders showed what they could be versus the Chiefs not having – because the Chiefs scored 32 points. That's that's enough to win any most, time. That's more than that's most of weeks. the winners uh, in this last week. The defense is what caved. The defense gave up 40. And that's because the Raiders have a good offense when they're putting all their pieces in the right place. Derek Carr is a gunslinger. Josh Jacobs is the guy. He is a workhorse running back. Harry Ruggs was a great pickup in the draft. You're seeing the Raiders really be able to use their offense in some interesting ways. And it's working. Darren Waller has been a monster in that tight end position so far. I think what you're saying more is a compliment to the Raiders than an insult against the Chiefs on that one. 
I don't know if I'm necessarily trying to insult the Chiefs, but not insult, but the, whatever. It's not a, a you're not condemning the Chiefs as they didn't have. I, a I see game. the Chiefs as a great end of the game team, but they just didn't have it. Those 32 points that they scored, 24 of them were in the first half. They scored nothing in the third quarter and and had a touchdown late, almost pretty much in garbage time because they were down uh, 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. And they ran, finally ran the field for touchdown and the two point, and they had to get the, the onside kick, which they didn't. But it was almost pretty much garbage time by that point. Well, but so the, to be fair, flip side Cowboys in garbage time versus the Falcons, they got the onside kick. They were able to win it. Garbage time but, is not relevant yeah. until the end of the game. They were down by a score. That's not garbage time anymore. Almost garbage time. I said almost. <laughs> I don't even know if you can call it that. Because how much did the Cowboys come back from when they played the Falcons? They're also uh, uh, they're also the Falcons, though. <laughs> this is the Raiders. <laughs> the Raiders are a good team, though. Like I, I'm not trying to knock the Raiders at all. The Raiders are going to be a good team this year, I and I think are going to make the playoffs. I would agree. I'm just saying, but it's to not come out and actually until the- beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs should have won this, especially since it was at home, and they have won the last seven years against the Raiders at home. Sure. Again, I think things happen. I don't think this one is as crazy as it seems. Again, if you look at what the Raiders' offense can do, it is impressive. Yeah. Speaking of an impressive offensive showing. One last game that was almost an upset was almost, I think it was six inches away, if not less, from being an upset. And I want to talk to you guys about this one because there's an interesting play call that I want to see if you guys agree with because there's a lot of back and forth on this one. So the Vikings went to Centerlink Field to play the Seahawks. The Seahawks struggled in the first half, putting up exactly zero points. On the flip side, the Vikings put up 13 in the third. The Seahawks offense came to life, scoring 21 points. DJ Metcalf had six receptions, 93 yards, and two touchdowns um, throughout the game. So the, the, the ending score – so actually, let me do it like this. Let me ask you guys the question first, and then we'll see. So let's say your team is up by five points. You are at the 10-yard line. It's fourth and one. Do you kick the field goal to put your team up by eight points with about two minutes left? Or do you try to run the ball for the extra yard and then hope that your defense can get one stop in two minutes knowing that you've given up all 21 points in the second half? Anthony, do you go for it and take the – or do you go for it or do you take the points? Points. Points, Kevin? Go for it. You go for it. So, Anthony, why do you take the points? You put yourself by eight. Trust your defense at that point. Kev? Your defense doesn't give you any reason to trust them. So, I mean, if they haven't stopped them all fourth quarter, means they're going to still be able to run down the field. It's still a one-possession game. Well, they stopped them in the fourth. You didn't stop them in the third. No, you're right. But still, I mean, you, I don't know. You, I, I say go for it. It's fourth and one. You have one of the best running backs in the league. Your chances of converting that fourth and one is, at, at that four, 
stage of the field and whether or not you convert it and maybe win, I think is like 95, 96%. I think I saw the odds, but if they converted that, if they were able to score the touchdown, it's a two possession game. Seattle wouldn't have been able to come back and win it. Most likely it would have definitely had a bigger chance for Minnesota to win that game. So yeah, go for it because then you can put it out of reach. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was on. I didn't know it was on the ten. Yeah, they you were. Go, real you go. You. I mean, you go for it. You and if you get it, you don't necessarily guarantee yourself scoring a touchdown right there either. I mean, you you could get stopped on on fourth and on three downs and have to and have to kick a field goal anyway. You could, but at that point, then you in that at that point, you're wasted another two minutes on the clock. Very true. Which Very at true. this point, time was Seattle's enemy. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you go for it if you make it, and you actually end up scoring a touchdown. Great, you kick off the ball. You're getting them back in their on their side of the field again, anyway. Um, but at that point, you're not up by five. You're up by twelve. If you don't make it, well, you're still deep in their zone, and then you hope your defense step up. Either way, you're thinking about you need your defense to step up, right? Well, if you score the touchdown, well, even if there, there's a little wiggle room there. But if you kick the field goal, you still need to stop by your defense. Either way, you need to stop. If Not you don't if, make the fourth yeah. down, yeah. But if you, make the, if you make the fourth down and you score a touchdown, your defense is wiggle room. You see what I'm saying? That's why I say go yeah. for it on fourth down because your odds of winning go up if you convert. I imagine by that point in time, your odds of winning are still pretty good. So what ended up happening is Mike Zimmer definitely went for it, and they were short probably about six inches in total, right? They were almost there, tripped him up right before he got to the line. The Seahawks subsequently marched the ball down the field on what was actually a spectacular drive, all things included, uh, for DJ Metcalf. Um, DK Metcalf is a man. I keep saying DJ. It's not DJ. Uh, but he is, is incredible. The next Megatron. It's going to be amazing to see what his career blossoms into. Um, I think Russell Wilson even said it is DK could be the best wide receiver in the league. And he wants to be his Joe Madden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those two are going to stay together for quite a while. And it's a good pair. Yeah. Uh, See, I, if you're asking me, I would have gone for it and taken the points. Here's why. You understand well, that Seattle gone for, Wait, gone for it or fourth or kicking? I would have taken the points. Okay. I would have gone, gone ahead and taken the points. Reason being is you know Seattle's a good offensive team. They very well could score. But the thing is, is that your offense has been struggling all year. You have been. It's not that you don't trust your offense but you need to take points when you can. It's going to be a close game. If they drive down the field and they score, that's fine. That's a, that's a, they have to convert on a two-point at, at that point. Exactly. Yeah. They still have to make the two-point, which is not a given. Nothing is a given. But I think that that stop on fourth down is what gave the Seahawks life. It gave them that extra spark. It gave them that encouragement. And that's why they were able to go and do what they did. They had the players and they had the encouragement to go do it, and so they did. You take the points, you make it difficult on them, you put the ball down at the 25, and you say, hey, look, defense, 
of the three quarters, of the four quarters so far, you've stopped them entirely in three of them. Go do it again. Chris Carson is a non-factor. You have made sure of that. Make sure their wideouts don't get past you. Play everything in front of you and see what happens. Yeah, it might be playing for the draw, but you put yourself up eight points. That's pretty good. But that's just me. Now, moving on to one of the more gruesome games this week. Let's talk about the Cowboys and the Giants. Now, we all saw what happened. And if you don't know what happened, then I'm kind of glad. Uh, that means that you haven't seen the video, and so you haven't had to watch how. You don't, you don't need to see it. It's, yeah. You don't need to see it. I'll describe her real quick. When his foot, his right toe should have been pointing at 12 o'clock, it was pointing at 9 o'clock. Yeah. So if he's facing the end zone, his cleat was facing the bleachers. Um, so in an unfortunate series of accidents, or an unfortunate accident, as Dak Prescott was rolling out, he was tackled by a Giants player who then rolled over his ankle um, and broke it. Uh, he was set to have surgery on Sunday. The doctors are looking at a four to six month rehab and recovery program for him in which they are very uh, optim optimistic that he will come back better than ever. Um, so that's that that's that's a that's a huge positive. Four uh, to six months. Four to six months. Yeah, is what they said. Uh, so, you know, we we obviously all here send out uh, all positive vibes, all you know, condolences to the family. Um, you know, we we want that. We don't wish anybody to get hurt. <laughs> I don't wish I don't wish that on anybody, man. Yeah, it's whether crazy. you like the Cowboys or not, seeing something like this is not uh, not okay, nor wishing it on somebody. Andy Dalton did step in after Dak. Uh, Dalton went 9 of 11 uh, for 111 yards. Um, so he looked good. He had a passer rating of, of uh, a 108 there. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, the exact play after, almost in like an act of vengeance, went and scored. He had 19 carries for 91 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and CeeDee Lamb has been killing it. Eight receptions, 124 yards. Uh, you know, and that's of 11 targets. You know, he, his longest was 26, so it's not like these are nickel and dime. Um, you know, he's really doing – he's really doing the damn thing. Yep. Um, this has been very impressive. The one thing that I will say about the video, if you decide to go watch it, is that when you see him being carted off the field, you will see Dak Prescott emotional. He is crying. But if you look at his face, he's not crying because it's ouchie. He's not crying because his ankle hurts. He's crying out of frustration because you saw very, like, emotionally, very raw, very emotionally, but it was still very raw and very, like, real just how much football means to him. And you saw it on his face when he was hurt because he was crying out of frustration. It looked like how much he put, he, he was heartbroken. Which frustration, frustration for letting his team down or frustration that he probably just lost himself a hundred million dollars. I think all of it, all of it. He couldn't yeah. be there to help lead his team because he is the leader of that locker room. He can't help them get the win when he knows that he is a step above 
his replacements. He knows that he is in a contract battle with the Joneses and that this very well could be a hit against it if the Joneses, you know, I say stoop to that level, but it is what it is. He knows that him going out is tough because he worked and worked and worked to get that team to where they are. His friends and his family are there for him. That team has become a family for him, just like many other players. And you could see the frustration of him having to leave that. And I think the big one for me is that I think he probably felt kind of helpless. And I think that's what frustrated him the most. He can't handle, he can't take on anything himself. He can't go in the game. He can't go be the leader. He has to just trust the process and go and get it done. So if you do watch the video, please watch him, you know, and see the real emotions that he has when he's being carted off the field. I think it was two years ago, Alan Hearns, a wide receiver for the uh, Cowboys, had the almost exact same injury. I don't remember if you – I don't know if you guys recall that or not in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. where he got rolled up on his ankle and it was just turned the wrong way. Um, the reporter that was talking about this today said she reached out to Alan Hearns and asked him about it. It took six weeks for them to put any weight on the ankle and it took five months to even try to get back on the field to start doing football activity. So, I mean, Dak Prescott wouldn't be ready to really do anything for – probably even longer than that. Like, yeah, I know you, you have your um, you have your wide receivers. They're going to have to run routes and cut and everything with their ankles. But you think about a quarterback. Every time they drop back, a three-step drop, he's a right-handed quarterback. What leg are you going to stop on, plant on, to make throws? It's your right ankle. It's going to be tough. It's going to take more than these five months. It's probably going to take seven to eight months for his ankle to be right, to be able to play. And it may not even ever be to the extent that it was before the injury. And that's why I say, Alex, you said that he might lose money. I guarantee this is going to cost him money. I guarantee it because nobody's going to know what he's going to be like after the recovery process. He may never be the same. Mm-hmm. So I guess the question is: Is did Dak do enough in his first four games to warrant a coming back to the Cowboys at all, or b yeah, getting yes. a contract to that level? Even He's not going to get a contract that level again. You think ever, or think this the first year? At least first, not first couple of years. If he can show them two years. Like, they offered him, I think it was a four-year deal for $36 million a year. He I think was, it was going to get up to, like, $40 million a year. And I think they were about ready to sign it, but they didn't make it by the deadline. Now, $27, 30000000 for, like, two, three years and see how he does. And then if he, if he can stay healthy again and never get hurt again through those three years and play at the level he was at the beginning of the season – then I think he can get a longer-term contract. But I think that chance for a five, six-year, $40 million a year deal is way out the window now for him. And it's because of the uncertainty of his ankle. It has nothing to do with 
how he's played in the past. It has everything to do with how that how is that ankle going to be going forward, and that is a huge question mark, and nobody's going to know the answer for it. Mm-hmm. You know what's shitty about all of this? I think there is a winner in Dak Prescott's injury. I know. I know exactly who it is. Huh? I know Mike exactly McCarthy? who it is. Really? McCarthy? Yeah. I was going Dalton. Dalton? Yeah. Fair enough. No, I'm thinking Mike McCarthy, because think about it. You're one and four in your first five or games or so. Your defense is all but two and three. Porous. Huh? Two and three. Sorry. Sorry. Three. Sorry. Three. Yeah, you're right. You were, what, <laughs> one and three up to that point. Your defense is porous. You beat probably the worst team in the league by three points, and you were losing in that first half. Your offense looks good, not great. It looked like there were some issues in Dallas to the outside eye. And now Mike McCarthy can say, if they don't have a great season, well, I didn't have my quarterback. If you do end up going eight and eight, if you end up going seven and nine, you can say, I didn't have my quarterback. I don't think they're they're going to finish above 500. I'll put that out right now. I don't know. Dalton looked not terrible. It's going to depend though. on the rest. It's going to depend on the rest of that division, man. I think the entire division could go under five hundred, honestly. Sure. But I think they could still win the division. Um, I don't think you win the division, Kev. Honestly, who, who's playing better? No one. <laughs> I mean, is anybody playing better? I mean, <laughs> exactly. And here's why: the Jones were actually made the most brilliant move of the offseason in signing Andy Dalton for $3 million. And this is why I said he was the biggest winner in Andy Dalton, because now he signed for $3 million for one year. He had incentives for four more million dollars based on playing time and, and performance and getting to the playoffs and all this good stuff. Um, but Dak Prescott, until his injury on Sunday, had pl- started 69 straight games to start out his career. Mm-hmm. Chances of him coming in and starting games was going to be slim unless something like this happened. Right. Andy Dalton becomes the biggest winner here, and I think by um, in a, in a whole different like degree of separation, the Jones family's winners on this too. Because you have an experienced quarterback coming in to be your backup. He is was a starter for Cincinnati for nine years, owns the uh, franchise record in passes and touchdowns for Cincinnati. He took the Bengals to the playoffs five years of his nine that he was there. Yeah, he never won a playoff game, but, but in a division like the NFC East, the chances of them being able to bring that team to the playoffs – I think are pretty good, especially when you have the wide receiver core you have. And now I think they're actually go more to the running game, which they should have done in the past four games is run the ball with Zeke and use the pass as take, uh, use the pass off of the run. And you got your wide receivers out there that are going to spread out. If they're all committing to the run and having to do man on man, somebody's going to be open and Dalton's, actually good enough to be able to find them. That's why I think the Cowboys will still win this division. You also say that, like, the Cowboys aren't having a lot of injuries on their offensive line, though. I know they are. That's the question mark. And you also say that, like, the Cowboys' defense couldn't stop a peewee team right now. 
Dude, and, I don't. Uh, I, I don't even trust Car. I don't trust Carson Wentz, but I trust the uh, the Eagles to pull one out of their ass and win the, and win the division again. The Eagles year. are b- almost as injured as the Cowboys are. I don't know about you, uh, if not more. And uh, so, and Washington and New York are have, garbage. I think they have grit. The Eagles have grit. I don't know if you can say that about the Cowboys right now. I think the guy who had the grit is not there anymore, unfortunately. I don't know. Andy Dalton shows some grit to be able to drive that ball to get to where they could get that game-winning field goal. Well, again, against the Giants, but still, to that, be fair. That, that defense for the Giants is fifth-ranked in the NFL. I know. Uh, but shit, they shouldn't even have it. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't know. They, you, you say, I say Jones's? I'll say one more thing about the Cowboys. You said Mike McCarthy's should feel better about this injury. I don't think he was ever in question necessarily as being a good coach in Dallas right now. I think the biggest one with the fire under their ass or the coach with the biggest fire under their ass in Dallas is Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator. They brought him in to change that defense and they are, I think third worst in the league in defense. And I agree, but if you look at who's responsible at the end of the day, it's always going to be the head coach. If all you the go- turnovers are on Mike McCarthy, all of those fumbles, seven fumbles in the first five games is yes. unacceptable. I agree. But and the one thing you said is you said that the Joneses are somewhat winners in this one. The Joneses, I, they're just so skeevy and sketchy that like – I don't like it either, but they're going to be winners because they have – a put it back up and they're going to have, and they're going to be able to get to pay Dak 10 million less a year. <laughs> so sketchy. <laughs> His business. And I, I hate it. I don't like the Joneses because I think they've dragged down this franchise, but in the end, they're going to be winners in this. But isn't that kind of the problem is they run it like a business, which brings us to our question of the day. And Thank you for the transition there, but I just want to put in my two cents about Dak real quick. I, I feel terrible for the guy. Not a Cowboys fan at all, but I feel terrible for the guy. To answer Alex's first question, I think it's awful that his next contract, whatever it may be, won't be a result of what he's done for this team in past seasons. He came in and replaced Tony Romo, got them to the playoffs, and he's shown he's your future. Jerry Jones said it himself, he's your future. Every Cowboy fan knows he's your future. Whether you want to like the guy or not, you know this guy is your future. I think it's hard and to not like him, shit. Exactly. Stephen Jones came out on the radio and said he's still the future. Yes, he's your Same. future. He's your future. And the With fact a discount that we, tag now. <laughs> we, don't know, we don't know what contract talks were like. Nope. But He's got that little orange clearance sticker on <laughs> It's awful, dude. That's awful. But I just think refurbished. God, I think it's awful that his his next he does he's not under contract already. I'm such a bad person, dude. God, can we? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't mean to speak light of it. I do feel bad. That was classic. I know Dak Prescott, and I feel bad for the guy and what he's going through, but I especially with I'm the sorry. season he had. And <laughs> if anybody can get through this, it's going to be Dak. 
Absolutely. Uh, I'm sorry, Anthony. I didn't mean to cut you off like that. Go ahead. That's, That's all right. Funny. That's all right. <laughs> what a dick. We got a couple questions of the day. We got a couple minutes left, so we can finish it off with the question of the week. But I, I was thinking earlier this week, pre-injury, this is pre-injury, I thought to myself, the Cowboys are, just like Alex just said, the Cowboys are often run like a business sometimes. And everybody knows the Cowboy brand, the Dallas Star. If you see it everywhere, the, you know, it's the Dallas Star. It's the Cowboys brand, the Cowboys. It's Cowboys, America's team, whatever. So I often feel like the brand is more important than the team's performance on the field. So with that said, what is more important? And obviously we all know the answer. We all know we all know what the answer should be. But what is more important? The brand, the Dallas Cowboys star, or winning the Super Bowl? Alex, you want to start it off? Sure. So I think the question is a little bit it, it's it's tough because if you look at the way things work, uh it's not always kind of one or the other. I think sometimes it can be both. Sometimes that one can be more important to get started. Sometimes the other can be whatever. Right. So you look at like, you know, those, those, you look at teams like Oregon in college football, right? When Oregon started, they weren't a very good college program. They weren't a very good team. And what they did is they built this brand, this Nike brand. Look at the cool uniforms. Look at the cool stadium. We want you to come play for us. Come play for us because look how cool and exciting and fresh and new we are. So they built this brand. So they started getting these high-end recruits. They started getting these really skilled players, right? And because of that, they did very well in the Pac-12 for a while. The thing that killed them was they lost their coach. They lost their coach. He took a better job, quote-unquote, and then went and did terribly, right? Um, Versus teams like the University of Texas, example. Uh, we're more, it seems to be right now, we're more about our brand, that we can't recruit these good players. We just assume they want to come here. They want to wear the burnt orange. They want to have those big, you know, white Texas letters across their chest. They, they should want these things versus trying to entice them to come do it. When you look at the NFL, it's almost like, you know, the, the cowboy brand was built by a good team. It was built by the 90s Cowboys. It was built by, uh, or 80s and 90s Cowboys. It was built by, you know, the, the, the Troy Aikmans and everybody that came forth, you know, all these big time, the Emmett Smiths and all these guys, right? That's when it exploded. That's when they became America's team. Go back. You talk right. about yeah. Tom Landry and Roger Staubach. I know, but a lot of people remember, a lot of people now our age-ish, or more about the the 90s and, and, and forward, right? There are lots of people who still remember the Landry's and the Staubach's and all that good stuff, and sure, 100% accurate. Like, you think of a lot of these guys now, Troy Aikman is the face of a lot of these things because he's everywhere. He's commentator, all that kind of good stuff, right? So you look at your Elliot's, you look at your, you know, T.O.'s for a little bit, you, you look at all these, like, big-time guys that have played for the Cowboys, and it was fun, and they were America's team, they were big and larger than life. But the problem is, is then they started kind of resting on those laurels. And so it became more about business than it was about anything else. And so they weren't getting these big time guys anymore because they were 
you know, it's easier in the pros to go elsewhere and to get swayed by money than it is like in college. Um, so I think for the Cowboys, it, it should be a little bit less about the brand and more about the quality. But vice versa, when you get to like college, I think you need a little bit more brand to get those high caliber players to you so that then you can do quality. You know?